Welcome. Welcome to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast, where we cover anything related to behavior change that will increase your long-term wellness and happiness. And now, here are your hosts, personal trainer and RNs, Matt and Jenna Lane. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. One of my idols in fitness, we actually have him on. I'm so excited about it. Corey Bennett. We're going to dive into him here in a second. Um, my name's Matt. And I'm Jenna. And we are the po- we are the hosts of this here podcast. We we love the idea of implementing behavior change for your long-term wellness and happiness. That's what this podcast is all about. Before we go into it, for the first eight weeks of this podcast, up until October 16th, if you leave a review on iTunes... Of 2019. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> of October 16th, if you leave a review and drop me an email at mattlanefitness at gmail.com, I'm going to send you a Better Than Yesterday Everyday podcast t-shirt for free. And that's a review on iTunes. I don't know if I clarified, but Jenna, how you feeling? I'm excited. I've heard a lot about him for... A long time so I'm excited to hear your backstory and and get to know you guys together yeah Corey Bennett Corey thanks for being here man I really appreciate it not a problem man I'm glad to be here absolutely and guys just so you know this is the first time we've actually had a call in uh, and Corey where, where are you actually located right now so I'm currently based out of Gainesville Florida um, I'm working at the university here in town University of Florida so that's where I've been for the past two and a half years, going on three in March. So has it been that long? Been a while. Has yeah, it been man, long? it has wow. at least maybe four years since me and you have seen each other last. Maybe Jeez, that's nuts. <clears throat> I guess it has been that long. Guys. Crazy how time flies, right? Yeah, man. Good Lord. Um, if you're new to this show at the top of the show, we <clears throat> always hit you with our gratitude point. It's a point that we come up with off the top of our head. Um, something that we're grateful for. It can be something massive. It can be something small. Um, I think the small things are actually more notable at times. Uh, and for some reason, this popped in my head. I'm a very grateful for good sheets. Um, I actually woke up this morning. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was headed to the gym, but as I was getting getting out of bed, I just thought about it. Um, thank you, Jenna, for always having good sheets and you know exactly why I'm saying that. And I know yeah. you want to tell that story. So quickly tell it. Yeah. So what, maybe seven years ago, we broke up for a, about a month. And so Matt needed to go out and get some household items for his new place. And he thought this van on the side of the road was a great place to buy some sheets. He and had a really good sign. He said inexpensive thousand thread count sheets. So that, I was like, it's got to be a real thing. That was a total lie. Yeah. I think those sheets were made of that sandpaper, like, steel wool that you yeah. clean pots and pans with. It, it was, was awful. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every time I think about every time I think of like sheets or whatever, that's what I always think about <laughs> and how hard you made fun of me. So hit him with your gratitude point. Oh, I had a good one and that story just threw me off. I'm sorry. So, well, we just finished um, cooking together and meal prepping. And, you know, that's something that's really changed our lives and our habits and the way we live. And you're the one that started that. I remember the first time you showed me a YouTube video and my exact words were, that's stupid. You're never (laughs) going to stick to that. And here we are. Lo and behold. Years later. And that's all we do. Yep, exactly. 
Exactly. Corey, man, uh, at the, at the top of the show, we, we do this gratitude point. If you have one, hit us with it. If not, no biggie brother. Listen, while I was listening to you guys talk, one popped into my head, actually. Nice. I'm really, I'm really appreciative of a good fluffy dog. <laughs> I, I tell this, I, I say this because right now I, I have a husky as my own dog. Um, and the, the owners that gave us this dog are good friends of mine and my girlfriends. And, uh, we're doing them a favor this week by watching their, their gang. Okay. So we have my, my dog's name is Roxy. We're watching her father, her mother, who's currently pregnant and her sister. Oh, so I got four Huskies in my house right now. That's a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and Roxy's sister is incredibly fluffy and soft. <laughs> and I think more so I want to put emphasis on the soft because I've pet a very coarse dog before. Yeah. And uh, not the most pleasant. No, it's rough. It's so like, you get really appreciative when you have a real good fluffy dog. It sounds so, like the, it sounds like the sheets I bought off the side of the road. Actually, just there like you the yeah, sheets. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. So hopping into it, guys, the reason I wanted to bring Corey Bennett on here, Corey, he was, I, I, for my personal trainer certification, I took a prep course for the actual exam, and Corey was my professor that I've always called him, though he's never liked that term. Um, he is literally the most intelligent person that I know when it comes to health, wellness, fitness. The, the amount of knowledge that he has is just staggering. So i it was since I started the podcast, I was like, I, I really, really hope I can get him on. He was actually in, in town here in Pensacola not too, too long ago, but we couldn't tie up on schedules. So I'm just, I'm so glad to have you here. And Corey, by all means, uh, let them know, like, what have you done and how long have you done it now in fitness? All right. So I have been a fitness enthusiast, fitness professional officially for about going on eight years now. Um, so all of my educational background, I have a, a undergraduate degree in exercise science um, with a specialization in health promotion and fitness management. Um, that'll tie into our conversation on behavior change later on. Awesome. Um, I went on to get my master's degree in exercise physiology. So that was more so like clinical based, I would say getting okay. into the nitty gritty of the science portion of the human body. Mm. Um, and all while getting my education, I was a practicing personal trainer. Um, I have certifications through, uh, the national Academy of sports medicine, the national strength and conditioning association, um, the American council on exercise and the American college of sports medicine. So a variety of different certifications that aided to my overall, um, academic background, um, that were kind of like, side pursuits. They weren't requirements of that, um, degree requirement. So, um, while I was training others, I was also training myself as most trainers should be doing, I would say, cause if you have a trainer who's not training themselves, then there's something to be said about that. Something's wrong. Man. Um, yeah, I was, I was a division three college football player. That's what I did when I was an undergrad. And then after I graduated, I kind of fizzled away. I was looking for things to do. So I learned that after a little bit of self-reflection, I wasn't always the most talented on the field, but I was pretty talented. I would say I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but in the weight room, um, my, my, my passion has always been for training. And, uh, if I wasn't going to do it on the field, I was definitely going to do it while I was training for the sport. And that's why I really figured out that this was going to be my path in life was to help others improve their performance. So figuring out how I could do that is kind of what drove me to where I am today. Um, 
one of the things that I did when we were first getting to know each other through that prep course a couple of years ago, um, I was competing in powerlifting. Um, I, I pursued that for about uh, 24 months of a very, very strict training program. And uh, it got me to compete um, in the panhandle of Florida uh, in a regional competition. I was able to play second in my weight class for wow. that. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of cool things uh, went on that year. That was, I believe, October 2016. Yeah. Yep. So, so since then I've been toying around with a couple different things. Strength sports have always been my thing. Um, but I've, I've started to dive into the world of functional training and more training styles for longevity. Uh-huh. You know, strength is always going to be there, but you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be 85 years old one day and I want to be able to walk out on my front lawn and pick up the paper if that's still a thing those days. Good so- point. So you know, you know when people are like, "Oh no, powerlifting or you know strength," like immediately they think like that's dangerous or whatever. What you just said sort of made the wheels start turning, and I'm it's, it's so funny. I remember I was talking to you not long ago um, that you know I'm starting to pick up uh, true strength and true powerlifting and whatnot. I uh, have a friend here in town that he's um, he's a monster. You know, like he, he's actually very, he's like, he's built just like you. So when I met him, I was like, this dude's, this dude's like reincarnated court, court. So, <laughs> but when it comes to the strength piece and that, that stereotypical, like, Oh no, don't get hurt or don't hurt yourself. Is it truly form? It, like, is it, you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, that classic thing, like, Oh, because you're doing strength, you're going to get hurt. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? So there's like an inherent fear in mind when you think of people who train using heavy loads is the way that I would explain it. So doing weight that's heavier than your body weight, typically. Um, the, the biggest risk that you pose for yourself is moving too quickly with your progressions and the amount of weight and load that you use. Okay. People are looking to get to that end goal. Like if I wanted to deadlift 500 pounds, I'm not just going to go into the weight room tomorrow and pick up 500 pounds. There's got to be a patient progression to get there. Okay. And I think that's what leads people to ending up injuring themselves is because they don't monitor themselves. There is no self-reflection on their training and they just want to jump and jump and jump and jump and keep increasing the loads without allowing their body to adapt. Okay. Because there's, there's this concept of what's called the SED principle called specific adaptation to impose demands. It's an acronym. Hmm. So basically whatever you put your body through in terms of physical stress. So this is weightlifting. Our body in human nature is going to adapt, but it's going to be a series of peaks and valleys. It's going to have um, these moments where you're going to be at your highest performance, but those valleys are going to be that recovery time where you're going to allow yourself to basically regenerate yourself and get your energy up to where you need it to be so that you can go into another intensity session. You can look at this on a day by day basis, week by week, month by month. Um, but it really depends on what your ultimate goal is going to be. So if you're trying to get stronger, it's best to lay it out on paper first than to just wander into the weight room and just try and give it your all every single time. Okay. So a methodical plan that makes total sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. You know, like my, some of my family has always been like, be, you know, be careful in the weight room, which makes sense. But, you know, yeah. it came from a, a, a place I think of like, don't get hurt. Lift Like when you start reaching a certain amount of weight, you are going to get hurt. You know, does that make sense? And I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. So that's why I selfishly asked that. 
that's the inherent fear that I'm talking about. Okay. When, when I was competitively powerlifting, did I think I was going to go deadlift 600 pounds in competition? No. I was 205 pounds in body weight, and I was deadlifting almost triple my body weight. Wow. It, it was the adaptation that my body was able to earn, not create, earn over time as I was progressively working through. And if you mentioned, if you heard what I mentioned before, 24 months, yeah. not weeks, yeah. 24 months of time. training. It took me two years to get to that point. Wow. That's and I was very, very, I was very, very patient, but you know what? With that patience came lessons. I did get little tweaks and like small little minute injuries. Nothing that was like going to put me out of commission, but like okay. my muscles told me by spazzing out. So if my back locked up one day or my hamstring locked up one day, that, that was my muscles telling me, hey, Corey, you overdid it today. Okay. Take it easy for the next couple of days. Give yourself some time to ease back into it. Our body has this funky way of telling us when we're doing too much. It's when we ignore that and keep pushing past it when real injuries happen. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, I, I believe as of right now, the majority of our audience, um, you know, it, it, they're not in the powerlifting realm. They're not in the strength realm. Uh, they're more in the general population realm, I believe. Sure. Um, but I, I, that's what was so cool to me about, about Corey with his vast knowledge that I, I know that powerlifting strength, that applies. And just like he said, it took 24 months to get to be able to, to lift that much, which is unbelievable. And it's, it's, it's across the board the same thing as far as patience goes. So awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, you know, another, another thing that I was wondering – so I know that you've power lifted. You said you've been into functional training here lately. Have you gone through any other progression? Have you ever been overweight and lost weight? Or what else have you done as your, your, yourself personally? So <clears throat> the heaviest that I've ever been personally, and this I, I have relatively good genetics, I would say. I've never done like a genetics test or anything like that, but I've always been pretty lean for the most part. Um, the heaviest I've ever been was actually when I was competing in, in football. Um, I was a wide receiver, so I was a tall, lanky guy. I had a decent amount of speed and strength to be able to do the crazy acrobatic things that those athletes do. Um, but at that time I was weighing a good 220 pounds, which if you know anything about the sport of football is pretty heavy for, um, a wide receiver. I would probably have been considered more of like a small tight end, yeah. which is a lineman that's meant for blocking and moving heavy people around. I wasn't nowhere near that. Um, but what was interesting was when I changed from training for the sport of football to powerlifting, I ended up losing weight, which was totally odd to me because I was eating the most that I've ever eaten before. I was training the hardest I've ever trained before. It was this weird biological shift that my body took. And I honestly don't have a really good explanation for it besides the fact that my body may not have been storing energy the same way that it was when I was playing sport of football. Huh. Yeah, it was, it's very bizarre. It's still a mystery to me to this day as I look back on it. So wow. it's, it's very hard to kind of like formulate why that could have happened. I mean, my basic brain just thinks like there, there's that much output and lifting. I mean, that's obviously that's a lot of weight, but mm -hmm. there's more output and power lifting or strength than there is playing football. I mean, I, I, right. that's unbelievable. Yeah. And what's weird is that my training didn't really change too significantly. Now in the sport of football, they have you doing a lot of what's called power movements. So movements that require you to lift a significantly heavy weight, but with a quick movement speed. So if you, if you know anything about like the Olympics, there's the sport of Olympic weightlifting, right? 
um, those athletes tend to move very heavy masses very quickly and move through the, the technical positions that they have to get through. Yeah. Um, that's what I was doing in football. When I moved to powerlifting, it's a little bit different where you move tons of weight, however fast it takes you to finish the full range of motion. Okay. So a very heavy deadlift, it could take me 10, 12, 13 seconds to reach full lockout. Okay. You know, whereas in, in speed sports or power sports, it takes a split second. Hmm. So I don't know, but I don't want to get off on a tangent with that. I know that's not what this show is about. <laughs> no, no, man. I, I, that's selfishly. I, I, there's a lesson in there for you, the listener, but the, there's a selfish piece to that. Cause I love, I love hearing those, those technicality pieces. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So now do you have any advice that you would give to somebody just starting out on their fitness journey? Um, yes. And this is something that I would give to any student that is of mine, whether it's a client, somebody sitting through my personal training prep course, which I still teach today, you know, who's trying to become a trainer, but you don't necessarily need to have the want to become a trainer to know this. Your body is your own experiment. And I, that may be quick for you because you definitely heard that at some point during our prep course when you were sitting through that. Absolutely. Your body literally is your own experiment. You know, you're only going to figure out what works for you by doing it. You're not just going to watch a YouTube video or go watch the CrossFit Games, for example, which just passed this weekend and be like, oh, I could do that tomorrow. <laughs> not necessarily. That's how people get hurt. But go out and try something. You know, don't be afraid to try something new when it comes to your exercise and fitness routine um, and be open-minded, you know, be open-minded to the different things. You know, people may not have the correct movement patterns going into a type of training and they need to develop that. You know, that goes back to this said principle that I talked before. You have to adapt. And the only way you're going to adapt is by doing things repetitively. That's yeah. where the repetition comes in training. I love that your body is your own experiment. And I haven't heard you say it. it's bringing back memories now because I haven't heard it in so long, but that's so true. Right. Every time I make a program for a client or any program I'm making, I, your, your voice is in my head. And it's, if you, if, if I personally have not tried this, then I, I cannot write this and prescribe this. Um, and I, I feel that's like along the same lines. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I'll add to that too. Yeah. Um, there is no cookie cutter program. I'm going to take that myth and squash it right away because there is no one size fits all. It's going to be different for everybody on a biological level. Our bodies adapt to stimulus is different. So me versus you and your wife, we, we all respond to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich differently. Yeah. We all respond to 30 repetitions of body weight squats differently. And it's going to be different for every single person who tries to do the same. So that's a really, really important thing to know because people think they can go online and find their magic pill or the blue pill that they are looking for, you know? And, uh, I, I have this, this very interesting relationship with the fitness industry these days is because I was, I was influenced when I was getting into the health and fitness field that all these people are out here. They know everything but there are so many people okay. that don't have the background that are preaching knowledge that isn't earned. It's either formulated by somebody else or there are false claims that are meant to mislead you to buy something as a product, wow. as opposed to something that's going to be for your own health and fitness. So that's just my, my disclaimer. Be aware of what you're getting yourself into. 
So you actually just sparked a thought because this is something that I sort of go back and forth on um, because of the FDA, not having an FDA regulation, but then look at the FDA. Uh, supplements are such a, a hot button and you being in this realm for eight years, you've seen more than I have. And I spent a lot of money on stupid things. Right. As have I. <laughs> and so I, I guess what the question is, you know, somebody does look for that magic pill or somebody does look for that, that magic thing. Whoa. My question is, like, I don't necessarily think that everything out there is garbage. I think that there are some things that are reputable. But seeing how it's not FDA regulated, and folks, by the way, there's not a supplement out there that is regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. However, the Food and Drug Administration does regulate the Twinkie. So what does that tell you? Um, but the point being, that point being said, like, what do you think about supplements as a whole? If a client said to you, hey, what protein powder should I get? Or, you know, what should I be taking? What is your response back? All right. So two things, because you mentioned the FDA. There's a good point to make on that. The Food and Drug Administration does not regulate what supplement companies put into their supplements. Okay. Now, that doesn't say the FDA does nothing. The FDA does pull supplements from the market if there are harmful substances in the formula. Okay. okay? A perfect example is stimulants, pre-workouts, things that are meant to get you going for your workouts. Sure. There have been a lot of supplements over the past three years. I think this started back in 2017. The FDA started a overhaul of all pre-workout distributors to pull substances that include ephedrine, which is a stimulant to get your heart rate and your blood or your blood flow going. Um, and then a chemical compound called DMAA or dimethylamylamine. So two of the strongest stimulants that are out there that were byproducts or that had byproduct effects of what could be almost considered crystal meth. Wow. <laughs> so the, the type of focus and drive and like almost internal motivation that came out of nowhere from taking these supplements was due to um, symptoms of these stimulants happening. And that's something that's very dangerous for your heart specifically. Yeah. Like if you're somebody who has an arrhythmic heartbeat and you take a stimulant like that, you could put, you could self-induce a heart attack on yourself. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you have high blood pressure, hypertension, things of that nature, like you're putting yourself in a poor position to impact your health on a very critical level. And that's just pre-workouts. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Cause I don't, I don't think that I have mentioned that, you know, I, I, I have gotten to the point where I just sort of, I knew that the FDA didn't regulate it. I know that there's third party regulators. Uh, what is right. that? There's one, what is that verified choice or whatever that, you know, that, but I, I forget what the, act, what the, what the organization is, but yeah. there is a third party organization that is supported by the FDA and they have a special seal that they put on, um, supplements that say we have tested this, right. all of their, and what they do is they basically take the supplement, look at the nutrition label and say, this supplement has all those things in it because uh, a supplement label, I'll, I'll use whey protein powder as an example. Company could go put dust in a tub yep. and sell it to you and say that it's going to get you strong and big. Yep. All right. But what it says on the nutrition label might not be the 25 to 30 grams of protein that you're getting in every scoop. Yep. It may be something of very less quality, if not nothing at all. So they could blatantly lie to you, which is a very, very big concern because it's much different than the food labels that you see on like a box of cereal, which is much different. Yes. You mentioned the Twinkies earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, and the thing is like, at least with the Twinkies, they're like, yeah, it's a bunch of crap in here. This is what it is. You know, like I would rather have it that way. Um, right. 
Yeah. So, so, so going back to your, your initial question. So we, I got off on a quick tangent about the FDA because we needed to, that was something sure. that needed to be addressed. But yeah. when it comes to being a personal trainer, being a fitness expert, fitness professional is what I would like to call it. Cause people can call themselves an expert and be self-proclaimed, but being somebody who is professional in the field of exercise, if you have the credentials to do so, you can educate on nutrition. Now with a personal trainer, there is a very, very fine line where you can cross outside of what we call your scope of practice. So your scope of practice for a personal trainer is you are able to prescribe exercise programs and physical activity. But from the fitness industry and the health industry saying it's not all in the gym, there's a large portion of that that comes from what you put into your body and food yourself with. There's also a piece that's missing there. So people go to see a personal trainer, they want both sides of the coin, but sometimes the trainer can't give it to them. Now, if a trainer does, they're stepping outside their scope of practice. And what I mean by that is, let's say a personal trainer says, all right, go purchase this food shopping list. Yep. Here are all the ingredients. Here's everything you need for breakfast. Here's everything you need for lunch. Here's everything you need for dinner. And then snacks in between. You are prescribing nutrition. Yep. Now, on a state-by-state basis, it's different. In the state of Florida, I know we have very, very strict regulations on this. Um, you cannot, as a personal trainer, prescribe, diagnose, or, or recommend any specific type of nutrition plan for a client unless you are a registered dietitian nutritionist, so yep. RDN, Yep. okay? Because of the level of extent of education that these individuals go through and the fact that they have way, way, way more bigger of an understanding of what happens biologically with different types of nutrition. Because you know what the first thing that personal trainers forget when they start telling people what to eat? Allergies. Yeah. So you can tell somebody to go eat a whole handful of almonds, but what happens if they have a nut allergy? <laughs> you, right? hit, you hit your macro, but you can't breathe. <laughs> right. So large concerns there. Now, there are things out there that can get you a little bit more informed, like nutrition certification. Mm -hmm. Now, what these things allow you to do are give a little bit more info, give you a little bit more backstory experience with knowing the ins and outs of nutrition. It still doesn't allow you to prescribe nutrition plans. However, it'll give you a little bit more understanding of like, okay, what's the difference between carbs, fats, and proteins, how they energize your, bar your body, what types of foods are rich in nutrients, vitamins, and minerals, right? So these are the types of people, if you're looking to get a more well-rounded approach to your fitness program, if they have some credentials in nutrition, whether it's a dietitian or a certification of some sort, then that's probably a good person that you want to seek out for that help. Yep, exactly. Because the first thing I'm going to tell somebody is, to what extent do you want to know about this particular nutrition topic, whatever it may be? Yep. Because if somebody asks me if, I, if, they can write, if I can write them a, a nutrition plan, I'm going to tell them no. Yeah, exactly. But... I've also stacked myself, and this is something to be important if you are a personal trainer out there. If you are a personal trainer, find resources. Because if you can refer out to somebody who can give them the information, then you become more resourceful for your clients too. Yep, exactly, exactly. And sort of tying back into behavior change, one, one question that I was wondering um, specifically for this podcast was you've been – Think about for a split sec. Can you name off what areas that you've trained people in or worked in? Like, I know you were at a lo you were at a local college here. Where else have you trained people? Right. So, although my background in my 
personal fitness has been strength training and powerlifting. I've diversified my skills and trained all different types of people. So um, I've worked in strength gyms before. Um, back in Pensacola, Florida, there was a gym called the Bar Strength and Fitness. That was a strongman and powerlifting training center. Not the most ideal place for everybody. Yep. Um, in my time there while I was in Pensacola, I also worked at the University of West Florida in their recreation center. So a variety of different people, of staff, faculty, students, um, and administrative staff that were looking to improve their fitness on a variety of different levels. Um, I've trained people as young as eight years old to as old as 69 years old. So it, it's been a, a large variety of different individuals that I've worked with personally. Um, I've been in the commercial setting before. It's not the most enjoyable personally. That's my opinion, but um, I've seen a, a variety of different individuals in that setting and the bottom line is no matter where you go, you're going to have a variety of different people looking to improve their fitness in different ways. So, um, is there, is there a more specific example that you'd like me to give? No, my question? no, I just sort of wanted to paint that picture so I could ask this yeah. next question. And it's just that, sure. you know, from what you said, you know, you've worked with strength, you've worked with powerlifting, you've worked with, you know, all different age brackets. And so you, I know that you've worked with the general population a lot and, how we tie Jenna and myself and Matlane, what Matlane Fitness is, is using behavior change for your long-term wellness and happiness. And for the people that you've trained that have been serious, that have really been trying to achieve results, of course, the nutrition, of course, the training, but what did behavior change or mindset, like how much did that play a role in it to really give them results or change them? So for the listeners or viewers, I don't know if you guys are actually having like a live broadcast of this, but um, there is a concept in behavior adaptation or behavior adoption called the trans theoretical model of change. All right. So in health promotion, public health field, um, this is a theory that's used to kind of categorize people and where they fall with a change that they are looking to adopt. So if I'm looking to improve my fitness, if I'm looking to lose weight, if I'm looking to change my nutrition habits, whatever the goal may be, you fall within somewhere on this continuum and it's a continuum. Um, and this is what, I, this is how I'll explain it. So for those individuals that seek personal training, they're doing one of two things. They are preparing for the behavior. And then once they start training, they're taking their initial action on making that behavior change. All right, so to give you like the quick and dirty of what this theory is all about, you can fall on a continuum of, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six different stages in your overall achievement of a goal, okay? So there is what we call the pre-contemplation stage, which basically is saying that you are not even aware that a change needs to be, but a bad habit or a poor habit exists, okay? Two is a contemplation stage. So this is the stage of change where you are aware of the change, but you're not making any plans to change it anytime soon. Okay. Um, three is the preparation stage. So this is where you know the change exists. You know it's a bad, cha- bad habit to have. You know that, I'm sorry, let me back up a second. You know the behavior exists. You know it needs to change. You're starting to align your resources to make the behavior um change into a positive habit. Okay. 
So this would be the person who is exploring different gyms in town and looking at the memberships to see which one is most cost effective to them. Does this gym have personal training? Does this gym have massage therapy or a dietitian or something along those lines, right? They're hunting. doing your research. Yeah. They're doing their research. Okay. The fourth stage is taking action. Okay. They've purchased that gym membership. They've set up a routine to go. They are working with a personal trainer. They are on a consistent schedule. All right. These people are making strides towards this overall goal of creating a new behavior. Now, this is the most contradictory stage for somebody to be in. All right. And most personal training clients, whether they are internally or externally motivated, will fall in this category. Um, but this is the easiest one to fall out of. So in order to maintain a long-term goal, it's typically said that you're going to be in this action stage for up to six months. All right. Once you exceed consistent action on this goal or behavior that you're looking to strive, you enter what's called the maintenance stage. So beyond six months. Okay. Maintenance means that you have adopted this as a lifestyle. Okay. So for you in this podcast, it's doing consistent shows. Right. It's having consistent viewers. It's making sure that you are setting up your outlines very um, consistently. All of those things that come into it for a gym goer. It's all of those things that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Okay. So they maintain it for six months or more and they continue it. Okay. Now, there is a lingering dark cloud that hangs above this entire continuum. It's called the relapse stage. Okay. We associate relapse with people who have quit smoking, quit drugs, quit whatever drinking, and they go and they pick up a cigarette or they go and they smoke pot or they go and pick up a beer and drink it. Okay. They relapse back into their old behavior. And all it takes is one puff, one sip, one um, smoke of, of a joint to be able to get back to that. Okay. I mentioned all of that because this trans theoretical model was originally designed for smoking cessation, mm -hmm. but it's so applicable to everything that is revolving around health and fitness too. And it's more so a behavior change method instead of just trying to get somebody to quit smoking. Right. There's much, much more to it on the cognitive level of helping somebody really, really understand that this is what you need to acknowledge to make this behavior change. Because that's, so, what, that's what's going to last. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once you can have those lasting repetitive positive behaviors occurring or cessation of a poor behavior, then it becomes part of your lifestyle. And it's only up to you to continue that and make it your lifestyle and maintain in that maintenance stage for as long as you need it to. Now, what do you think? And obviously, it's different from person to person, but maybe as a whole or as a majority of what you've seen most, that internal force that continues you to do so. What do you think that is? Um, for everybody, it's different, but there, there could be a lot of, um, significant life events that might cause that internal fire to turn and combust, mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of people have a hard time getting to the action stage because they just don't have an internal drive. They have family members and friends telling them, Hey, you're gaining weight. You need to get into the gym or, Hey, you need to make this. Hey, you need to make that. Um, I'll, I'll use myself as a victimizer here. I, uh, when I first started my girlfriend, I was the worst type of boyfriend ever. I was like, Hey, you need to get into the gym because I'm getting into the gym. Right. But she didn't want to get into the gym. I was trying to impose something on her right. that she did not have the internal fire for. So what I obviously had to do is turn inside and say, Hey, you got to stop doing that shit. Um, but right. <laughs> what we found out was we need to find what worked for her, you know? So what was it that got her interested? She wasn't interested in training like a power lifter or training for strength. 
what we found out is she was interested in using unique objects like a kettlebell or bands or um, slam balls to be able to get her fitness in. So those, those are some different ways to kind of like um, engage that internal fire is you guys just got to figure out what works for you. You know, for somebody to really understand the need for a change, if it's something that's going to impact their long-term health, it may take something like a family member experiencing that on the most severest of levels to understand how important it is. So like, for example, my father, um, before he started getting healthy, he was suffering from type one diabetes. You know, um, he was overweight. He was very sedentary. He, um, went from a very, very active working class job to a promotion that put him behind a desk and teaching for long periods of time. And that was something that impacted his health on a very, very large level. It was his health downfall that propelled me personally to get into this field. And then in turn, it came full circle for him because he gets to benefit all the stuff that I get to teach him. <laughs> so, And you know, like what you've explained just there, you know, it's, it's pieces of content that Jenna and I have done before. That to me sounds like someone's why. You know, and that that's right. a, that's in psychology. That's not just fitness. That's right. you know, have a real reason as to why, rather than hey, I'm gonna do keto because this is what I was. This is what I've seen work. Like, there's not a real reason right. why you're doing keto. So, yeah, that makes total sense. Sure. Yeah, and kind of where I was going with that, I didn't mean to turn it internally on myself, but like for somebody to experience some sort of trauma is usually what it takes to get an individual to really make that change. Um, somebody who may have had a family member that recently had a stroke may cause them to take a look at their own health and be like, Hey, do I need to check my blood pressure? Do I need to go get a blood panel done? Do I need to see where my cholesterol levels are at? Do I need to go see my physician? So it might be things like that, that can really drive somebody to figure out how they need to change for themselves for their long-term health. Yeah, exactly. I love it, man. I love it. Before we, we go, like, was there anything that you wanted to plug? Was there anything like, I, I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you giving the people listening value. I have so much respect for you. And if there's anything that I can do to help you, if there's anything we can plug for you. Hey, no, I appreciate that, man. I really, I really appreciate you inviting me onto the show. This is, this has been awesome. But, um, I mean, I wish I had more time to talk cause we could talk about circles around different content and whatnot. But if, uh, if you do want to learn more, um, I have a pretty active Instagram page. I'm always posting, um, quick little circuit workouts that people can try using different variety of equipment. Yeah. you. Ha- um, I, I really I tr- do I like sh- those. I, and I, I'd be lying to you if I said I've tried them just cause I've been running and gunning, but they are, they look, right. they look so intricate. You're killing it with those. Yeah. So I try to post at least one, uh, brief workout that you can try usually last maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I usually try to post one quick little recipe that I've tried That's it's not me prescribing nutrition, obviously, but it's something that's tasty that I add to my daily plate. Um, and then I also try to add one corrective exercise piece to my content. And that's, those are basically like my top three that you'll see across my, my little feed. There is a workout, a food, and then a corrective exercise technique, because what people don't understand is that we lack a lot of mobility and a lot of core strength. And I'm going to give you everything that we can get to make sure that you can prevent that for yourself. Um, and if you want to follow that, you can follow that to my Instagram handle at, uh, the benefit project. Uh, it's a playoff of my last name. So the benefit is spelled with two N's. Um, make sure you add those two N's to find me. 
Dude, yeah, you've done a few that have been stretching. Um, and those are, you're right. Like that, like the, the mobility flexibility piece is like so many people lack that. And th those are, I think that those are as value, if not more valuable than the actual training pieces that most people right. see on, on all the social media networks. So dude, I really appreciate it. And I am more than open to having you back on. I, I truly, truly enjoyed this. Like like there's so much value that you brought in this conversation. Um, when, when this, when this podcast gets some reviews, I would like you guys to tell us how did you like this, this conversation with Corey Bennett, just a, in my eyes, a, one of the godfathers in fitness here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, professor. I really appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I really appreciate being on today. Let's get that conversation going for a future episode. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, I've literally been sitting here taking notes. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you have been right. <laughs> well, guys, Fantastic. thank you so much for tuning in. Go leave those reviews. Check out Corey Bennett. His information will be in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you guys next week. This has been the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to subscribe to the show as well and follow Matt Lane Fitness on YouTube. Until next time, you don't have to be perfect. Just be better than yesterday every day.